Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How fast are they? Well, we clocked the T-Rex at 32 miles an hour. T-Rex? Mm-hmm. You said you've got a T-Rex? Uh-huh. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. Oh. Uh. Put your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Jurassic Park. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicates. I am your host, Armand Haddad. This season we are exploring the cinematic adaptations of beloved stories. Today we are looking at the film adaptation of Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. But before we take a trip to Ilsa Nublar, I am joined by a special guest, Rutch Johnson, a cinematographer. Rutch, welcome to the show. Hey, Armand. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad that you're finally here. Oh my God. Yes, and in person too, so we get yes. all that chemistry, so yes. that's nice. Absolutely. So, since this was your recommendation, Rutch, uh-huh. how did you first hear about Jurassic Park? Oh, all right. So, let's go all the way back to age four or five. <laughs> uh, we had a neighbor downstairs in our basement that my parents were renting out to, and okay. uh, I would always go down there to visit her and watch Disney films and whatnot, Aladdin, nice, you know, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. and then Jurassic Park. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was on her stand of movies, mm-hmm. and it was a nice black, uh, you know, VHS tape. Yes, and, it was. Uh, and I was drawn to it. And <laughs> I, I don't know the first time I watched it. All I know is that I watched it a lot. I watched it mm-hmm. way more than all of her other films. Mm-hmm. So okay. I started young, and I loved dinosaurs. I had dinosaur-themed birthday parties yes. as a kid, and, you know, and I just had this infatuation with dinosaurs and um so that's what started my journey with Jurassic Park and ever since um I I claim above Star Wars above Indiana Jones wow Jurassic Park is my favorite movie of okay. all time 
And I think I kind of pick it because it's not the favorite movie of others. So really? it kind of is, I have to have that unique factor. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. I get it. So I got into Jurassic Park at a really young age and um, in preparation for this episode, we both read the book by Michael Crichton. Yes, we did. And I loved how he puts it in the book, which is children are so fascinated by dinosaurs and the main character, Dr. Grant, he's trying to like figure out like why. And he came to the conclusion, his own hypothesis, which is it's kind of like a parental figure, the form of the parents in the dinosaur world is kind of like this big lumbering creature. And I thought that was interesting because like we both were drawn towards Jurassic Park at really young ages. And I think it's because it captured our imagination more than any other film at that time. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm drawn to it because it, I mean, as a kid, it was probably for the basic reasons of it just like, these mythical creatures are now available and you can see them and they're terrifying and you have, and what I'm going to talk about a lot throughout this entire podcast, which is the film makes you have so many more feelings than just a horror movie would do like scare you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of depth here and uh, I really appreciate that. And that's why I label it as my favorite film because it's a, it's thrilling. There's great characters. There's a great story to be told. There's monsters. There's, um, it's just all this accumulation, this epic score, just the acting, everything comes together to make this perfect masterpiece that still stands up today. And, uh, I didn't even know as a kid that this movie would still stand up, but it's, it does. Mm -hmm. I mean, 30 years later or whatnot. So yeah, we're actually 30 years, right? 30 29 so, years it came out 92 i believe right so it came out in 1993 so we're almost at the 30 year mark right. of jurassic park and honestly other than a little bit with the fashion i mean it looks kind of 90s with the with their clothes that, are, that they're wearing in the movie it looks like a movie that would be made today by today's standards yeah it holds up very well and what's interesting so in preparation for this episode also, I watched Jurassic World. The, oh, did you? Okay. Yes, wow, the, that's daring. It is daring. So, yeah, I watched that. I was excited for it back in 2015. I watched it. I enjoyed it. And then upon rewatching it for this podcast, I was like, you know, I was right off the heels of Jurassic Park rewatching that. And it's just not the same. Like it tried being the same. Yeah. It tried to capture those moments. And there's moments here and there that's like, oh, okay, that's that's nice. But overall, am I going to be watching Jurassic World 30 years later? Probably not. I mean, I wouldn't watch it beyond the first <laughs> viewing. So definitely not 30 years down the road. Yeah. I mean, the dino... Okay. Oh, the special effects of Jurassic Park, let me tell you. It's genius how... They captured what a dinosaur would look like. It looks real on screen. It looks real. It looks like an actual dinosaur that they just created and put in this movie. And then you juxtapose that with Jurassic World that uses CGI. There's just something about it that doesn't look real. It looks kind of. Like, it looks like a cartoon, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the main problem with the newer movies just in general, nothing is grounded in reality. There's just no restrictions to it. And everything 
in Jurassic Park, their restrictions were almost like actual restrictions. Like, okay, we just can't do too many VFX shots because we don't have the time. We don't have the computing power to actually do this. So we have to do as much practical as we can. But nowadays you can just quickly print out any 3D object you want and... <laughs> And, and you can, if you order it, you'll get it. So, right. you know, where, where's the restriction there? Right. So, yeah. And a lot of these movies, they um, storyboard out the VFX shots before they even shoot the movie. I mean, they did that for Jurassic Park 2. Did you watch the behind the scenes? Are you talking about The Lost World or Fallen Kingdom? Um, just Jurassic Park, the first one. Did you watch the behind the scenes? Oh, Jurassic Park also. Oh, my God. I thought you meant like Jurassic Park 2, Electric Boogaloo, oh. The Lost World. I oh, was no. Like, I did not see that movie. I saw a little bit. I didn't really like it. Did you see Jurassic Park 2? The Lost World? Yes. Yeah, I, I still like that. I like that movie. It's good? Yeah. Because I remember watching it as a kid, and I was like, mm, -mm. I mean, Jurassic Park, I mean, if, if you looked at all the ratings for even The Lost, for the Jurassic World movies as well. Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park has the highest IMDb rating mm -hmm. out of all in this in the franchise, I guess. Yeah. And I think it's just because the story they needed to tell was everything everything they had to tell was in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um everything all the other movies, The Lost World and Beyond, were just attempts to try to see more dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. So let's make up some story around it that uh can get us to see more dinosaurs. Uh, I will say that at least the Lost World had a new idea, which was, what if the dinosaurs were brought to the mainland? How would that happen? How would uh, people react? And they, we get a little bit of that in like the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And I believe the new Jurassic World Dominion coming out mm -hmm. is really going to dive much more into that. And mm -hmm. so I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Honestly, why I like Jurassic Park is because it's a theme park it's baked in reality mm -hmm. and then things go wrong you know yes. there's a villain to the story that you know lets everything loose and i thought when jurassic world came out that we were going to get a little bit of that but it was just so blown out of reality that just <laughs> uh, it just it just i don't know i mean at least jurassic world was trying to do like a all right we were successful in launching the park and this mm -hmm. is how it would look like and i kind of wish they'd dove a little bit more into that we were able to live in it mm -hmm. but of course you gotta let everything out and things get crazy but um and so but i just like how simple the story was for Jurassic park and how um even i think you mentioned it before that it's kind of dated in the fact that everyone's wearing 90s mm -hmm. um clothing and whatnot and even the yeah. buildings and like Jeep the merchandise is everything that we loved as a kid in the 90s. Mm -hmm. But uh, if I were, I had all these thoughts while reading the book and also watching the movie, if I were to remake Jurassic Park, I would make it a long form Netflix show mm. or an HBO show where okay. it's eight episodes and that's it. Because I think, especially after reading the book, there's so much more here that we mm. can just live in yeah. and enjoy. And I would make it in that 90s Ooh. Um, I, I would make it a, like, you know, you have to do it in that nineties material. And, right. um, I think that's what makes Jurassic Park so interesting and what made Jurassic World so not interesting. There was all this tech everywhere. It felt safe, but the nineties culture, we had these giant radios. We had, um, these old monitors, mm -hmm. um, the security system, every, like if you're reading the book, it was like, 
made up words of like all this computing power that was needed <laughs> all this new um machines that mm -hmm. were being shipped to the island mm -hmm. and how like the u.s government or whatever was getting suspicious like how is all this being shipped to this island so we need mm -hmm. to investigate but i i love that i think that's what makes Jurassic park and even the book so interesting it's right. like we are on the horizon we're on the edge of new technology and what can we do as humans to push that edge even further but Jurassic world because everything's so advanced and technological it just doesn't feel like um i feel just feels like you're too safe right yeah i mean i agree 100 percent. like there's something with like retro tech that makes it more grounded and there's also this commercial aspect even more so in jurassic world than jurassic park but we'll get into that real soon because before we go any further listeners of the show know what time it is it's time for some elevator pitches Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. Here on Syndicate today, we are going to simulate that by putting 60 seconds on the clock. Rutch, I need you to summarize. Pitch me Jurassic Park within a minute while avoiding major spoilers. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. We're going to start in three, two, one, go. Jurassic Park is all about bringing people to an island theme park that has and features all these brand new dinosaurs brought back from old DNA. And um, imagine what that world would be like. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh my God, Rutch. <laughs> so yeah, it's a pretty simple story. Yeah. Um, it's about a... I don't know if he is a billionaire or a millionaire, but this very wealthy man decides to create a theme park around resurrecting extinct animals, specifically dinosaurs from millions of years ago, and to create attractions around that. And that's pretty much the driving force of Jurassic Park. And then we meet Dr. Grant, his assistant, Ellie, and then the mathematician, Ian Malcolm, and we see the Jurassic Park before launch through their eyes, and then shit hits the fan, so to say. Right. Since we read the book, I was, I've always wanted to read the book by Michael Crichton. And I was honestly surprised because this is my first time reading the book. And would you say it's similar to the movie or a faithful adaptation? Or would you say it's different than the movie? Uh, it's 100% different from the movie. Mm. Yeah, it's not even close in some ways. Okay. Besides the uh, the idea that dinosaurs get generated from DNA and there's a theme park and people get brought to it to mm -hmm. you know view it and sign off on it. Yeah, there's just a lot more heart, a lot more other. There's just a lot of other aspects in the book that go in way more detail. But again, this is just the the. Uh, classic description of book versus movie right but uh i will say some of the shocking differences off the bat were um the kids being different ages um mm, okay lex is a young girl mm -hmm. and in the movie she's the older sibling yeah she also gets um 
in the book, she's, uh, I listened to this with my wife, Abby, and mm. we both agreed that Lex in the book was very annoying and almost had <laughs> nothing to offer. Um, <laughs> she's a little annoying in the movie too. No, she's not. She's, she has a lot more to offer. She's, she's got a lot of what was given directly to Timmy to mm. like, she's the one Timmy. in the movie that, um, gets to, you know, at the end, do the computer solve the computer and you know in a way she's a hacker yeah (laughs) i'm a hacker so but in the book timmy gets all that and she's just kind of like the sidekick she kind of just uh, chats around and gets kind of annoying with like constant like hurry up or like do better or you know lines like that yeah she was like the token female in the book and steven spielberg when he made the movie did a great job of making her not the token female but actually useful for the story definitely because like when i was watching it it felt like just a throwaway line to flesh out their characters a little bit like oh i do computer stuff stuff i'm not a nerd i'm a hacker and i was like okay 90s great definitely and then by the end of the movie it pays off and i was like good job steven right yeah yeah, that's that's nice. Um, I felt like uh, there was, I mean, there was a lot of nonsense in the book that just gets all that fat gets trimmed for the movie, and it's really yeah. nicely packaged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, um, there's a lot in the book that doesn't get used in Jurassic Park that then gets used in the Lost World or even yes. JP three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, every time it happened in the book, I'm like, that's in whatever, that's in JP three, you know. Also, um, Jurassic World too. And the lost world, especially the like the opening, almost like the opening of Jurassic Park, the book is the opening of Lost World, really? where it's yeah. When was the last time you watched Lost World? Like, uh, okay, a while ago. I watched the Lost World when I was seven. Oh, so you haven't watched it recently? No. Oh, okay, so you don't remember much. You should watch it again. I noticed that Julianne Moore is in the movie. Yeah, and not. The actor that played Dr. Grant and Laura Dern. Do you know why weren't they in the second movie? Um was it like I ain't doing that? Well, I think it was uh well even it, uh, spoilers if you want to read the book, maybe I don't know. I don't know. But we're going into it. We're going into it. Yeah. So Malcolm actually dies in the book. It's kind of like like the last few sentences, like as they're leaving the island, uh-huh. like, oh, he just didn't make it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And people loved him and loved that character that they wanted to see him again in the uh, next movie. So that's when he started. So I'm not sure why Grant didn't come back as a character in that movie, but the movie didn't really need him yet or at all. Um, but essentially... Circling back, mm-hmm. the beginning of Lost World features the beginning of Jurassic Park, the book, which is this little girl is exploring with her parents on the coast of Costa Rica mm-hmm. and comes across this tiny creature. And reading the book, I'm going, this is the Lost World. I know <laughs> what that creature is. And, I know what that is. you know, is. a couple sentences later, they just yeah. describe it a little bit more. And it's definitely mm-hmm. a dinosaur. And mm-hmm. it's uh, actually a compi. And mm-hmm. I was interested that the book actually does a lot with compies yeah. where Jurassic Park doesn't even talk about them at all. Um, right. And the book goes into the fact that compies are really needed because they are scavengers. They take care of the waste, the large yeah. amount of waste that yes. gets left behind. 
big dinosaur poop. Yeah, and that those kind of details, they, the book goes over a lot, which is mm-hmm. like the complications, everything that's needed to actually like run a park where the movie doesn't really go into that. It's just a park and we're on the verge of starting it and yes. let's view it and walk through it and sign off on it, hopefully, you know? So, Rutch, yeah. would you like a spoiler for The Lost World book? It's a pretty minor spoiler. The Lost World the book. book. Yes. You read that? No, but, you know, I finished... Jurassic Park, and I loved it so much, I was like, I have to read the second book eventually. Oh, okay. So I looked up the synopsis, and guess who's in it? Dr. Grant? Close. Dr. Ian Malcolm. Oh, he is? He survived. What? I don't know how he survived. It was definitely, if I mean, it was literally a sentence of... I know. Malcolm didn't make it. Yes. And that was it. And I was like, what? So, okay. That's so, interesting they brought him back. Yeah, so Michael Crichton brought him back. And that was 1995. And the 97 is when the movie came out. So I was thinking, I was like, did the movie influence the book? No. Oh, interesting. I guess he intended for him to come back. I don't know. I don't know why even say that he died at the end of the book. Maybe just changed his mind. He's like, hmm, I better bring him back. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe there's like reprints of Jurassic Park, the book where he just lives or something. I don't know. Ooh. But you'd think that the audiobook would have the latest version, but yeah, maybe not. That'd yeah. Be expensive cop. Anyways, I'm glad he's back. I don't, it was unnecessary for him to die. Right. It wasn't, there's no point for the book or the story. He just yeah. didn't make it. And he died anyways. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what were your thoughts on the book overall? Just, did you enjoy it in comparison to the movie or? I absolutely loved the book. I liked it a lot more than I anticipated. Same. Um, Hot out of the gate, since I don't remember Lost World, um, with that intro with the little girl on the beach and she encounters the dinosaur, I was like, oh my God, this is such a great setup for the book. Because like, as the reader, you don't know it's a dinosaur until she starts describing it more and it's like, oh, that's not a lizard, that's a dinosaur. Yeah. And you feel this inherent danger and like suspense and dread. And it's like, oh my God, like she's going to get bitten by the dinosaur or something horrific happens. And there's really good cliffhangers in the beginning too. And I think that perfectly sets up the whole story um, of the park and Jurassic Park and all that. For the movie, I could see why they would uh, remove that and just focus in on the dude getting eaten by the dinosaur, the raptor. Right. That's kind of like the driving force for the movie. While in the book, that's kind of like in the background happening. And that's how like the dinosaur, I think, even got off the island or something like that. Um, but I really liked how, like you said earlier, it's more than just a spectacle on screen. Uh, in the book, it's you have those elements of like uh, espionage and like with Ingen and like uh, Nedry's character, where he's working with the competitor trying to get the the eggs off the island. That's fleshed out so much more, and it's handled a lot better. Like in the movie, I felt like it was, even though it was like in the first half of the movie, that's not the primary focus. That's like plot B. Well, in the book, in the beginning, it's definitely plot A. And then by the time Nedry dies, it's like, oh, none of that mattered. I yeah. just love that subversion. 
Right. Yeah. Well, in the book, they go, it feels like there's a larger world. There's mm-hmm. like, um, like the in the movie, Nedry is in one sense the villain. He's the human villain. Mm-hmm. Where you would say like maybe the Velociraptor was the overall villain, which is why I'm glad the movie started off with like this is how ferocious the Velociraptor is. And you don't really right. show much besides the eye. Yeah. You get the that sound bites at the beginning. That's just like perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Nedry is hired in the book by this other competitor company i guess yeah and there's the a lot more detail into that company like other people talking about it before you even know that company name it's just like oh this company out there has done bad things in costa rica <laughs> or this other place where they're uh, essentially testing on the population of animals and yeah. because there's no regulations and ultimately this is why we're in costa rica because there's no regulations mm-hmm. as far as like what you can and can't do is with a. Uh, DNA science. Right. And, and he ends up buying the island, Elsa yeah. Nublar. So he has, he could do whatever he wants out there. Right. John Hammond. Yeah. And then you learn he's bought all these other islands and he's, yes. construction's already started on him, like across mm-hmm. the whole world. Yeah. He's like, this is John Hammond. Uh, he's like, I can do this better after, right before his death in the book. In mm-hmm. the book, he dies. Yes. yes. I found that shocking. Yeah. Um, Cause it's been, it's been a hot minute since, I've watched Jurassic Park, so I'm I'm reading the book, and John Hammond, his portrayal in the book is completely different than in the film. And you know what's interesting? I don't know if you noticed, the screenplay for the movie was by Michael Crichton. Did you know that? I did not. So I find it interesting that... Because I noticed that the overall skeleton of the story remains intact but like michael crichton you know trying to make a two-hour movie condensing his book that takes over 10 hours to read into two hours it's like okay so he distilled all the characters and rearranged some things and i think he did a great job with the movie like it's definitely an effectively paced movie and like everything makes sense and all the dialogue is great and all the action's great but in the book I really, really wished they they kept John Hammond as this insidious character. Like, he's insidious not in a way where he's like pure evil. He's pure greedy. And what he wants is to monetize this research. And he does that to this nth degree with creating a theme park with dinosaurs. Because I loved how, I forget who he's talking to. I don't know if it's his lawyer or Ian Malcolm. But he's explaining to them, hey, like, we could have done this altruistically for research, but there's no money there. And eventually it's going to get bogged down and the government's going to be like, nah, we don't need this. Like, people aren't going to spend this much money on these products because there's no need for it. What there is need for, you know, where there is no regulation is entertainment. And so he goes and creates this park with the sole purpose of driving revenue. And it just blows my mind. He also does talk about like, um, he wants kids to experience this and he finds that important. He talks about that in the book. And it's also, 
he that I would say that's one of the traits that really translates to the movie. Yes. So I'm not sure. I couldn't really determine from the book if that was his true heart or if that was a justification for his greed. But you're probably right. Overall, he's greedy, and he and he throws all these justifications at it to like mm-hmm. soften that blow of I'm here for greed. Mm-hmm. Whether it's for kids, they he wants kids to experience this. Um, whether it's there's no way other than entertainment that we can get this research done and completed. But I mean, his his points are very true. That um, even for scientists, that scientists are just out there just to get their papers published. Yes, and they don't really care about going necessarily beyond that or whatnot. But um, but I think he's right that you really couldn't get as far as they did unless it was for entertainment funding it. Yeah. So, I mean, the points, I don't remember them directly, but the points that he made in the book were like, I get that. That makes sense. I mean, it does make sense from like a company, a corporate aspect of like, oh, I'm here to make money. And to do that, you need, you know, X, Y, and Z dinosaurs back to life right his true character comes out when there is problems in the park and how he just quickly tries to forget about it and goes next version will be better Mm -hmm. and or if we could just get the power back on things will be all right this is just a hiccup and he tends to like get those that character Mm -hmm. gets repeated a lot in the book um, I don't think as much in the movie, though. Right, because in the book, what I really enjoyed was when things started going wrong, he started instructing Gennaro and Muldoon not to kill the dinosaurs because he, he, he puts more value in the dinosaurs oh, you're right. than the human beings that are being attacked by the dinosaurs. He's like, you have to tranquilize them. And then Muldoon, the, the hunter, like the special forces guy, on the island he's like are you crazy like we need to use lethal force we need like you told me not to order these you know high powered weaponry to take down these dinosaurs because you wanted to protect the dinosaurs and now they're out it's like what are we supposed to do now Mm -hmm. so I love that tension between them and in the movie there's a brief moment where he's like no you must tranquilize them and then as the movie as the movie progresses, he changes his mind. So, I like that too. You know, it's it's a nice dynamic change for the character. I mean, overall, that's what makes Jurassic Park, the movie and the book, stand for thirty years. Mm. It's all these themes of greed, power, mm-hmm. DNA science, mm-hmm. that I think all of humanity is always wondering. And always um, troubled with. Everyone's always going to have trouble with greed. Yeah. That's relatable. Mm-hmm. And then even um, now that I'm older, I'm, I would say I'm less interested in Jurassic Park from the dinosaur perspective. Mm-hmm. But I'm more interested in Jurassic Park, especially when reading it, through all about the DNA science, all the possibilities that can happen. Mm. All the things, that, all the good things that can happen from it, but also all the bad things that can happen from it. Right. And that... What that challenged my mind when I was reading it, and I was—that's what I found most interesting. And then just the, the the dinosaurs getting loose and whatnot. That's just for thrills. That's fun. That's just fun movie mm-hmm. going, you know. So let me let's unpack that a little bit. So let's 
take that idea and apply it to the real world. If there was a theme park, maybe not Jurassic Park, maybe like uh, Jurassic Park, you know, some other period uh, from long ago, and you had an opportunity to see genetically modified organisms, dinosaurs, resurrected, would you go? Yeah, I definitely would. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> right. I mean, not going to lie, I would too. Like, that is so cool. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Such a park, is it right to create such a product? Like, think about it. So you want to go into the right and wrong, the the theme of the movie, which is uh, playing God. Yes. Essentially. Yes. Do you think that's right? Is that your question? Yes. Should we pursue that? Yeah. That's a really tough one because. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I think the phrase playing God right there just kind of already demotes like this negative, like, no, don't try to play God. You're just human. So don't. <laughs> uh -huh. But if you don't think about it in that way, and maybe this is how you get down that path of like stopping to ask to, if we should. Mm -hmm. Um, what are the goods and what are like pros and cons of like pursuing this? And I think everyone gets caught up in the pros. It's always like, well, we can live longer as humans. We can bring back extinct species like carnivores. If I were to bring back carnivores, I would have nothing to say about this. <laughs> and that's true. Like all the good things that can happen, but we haven't stopped to think what are all the bad things that can happen. And I think there's far worse things that could happen beyond just dinosaurs getting loose on an island and eating a couple of humans. I mean, that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. Because you're in the story, you get drawn to those people who are dying and you're like, oh, this is a tragedy. This is a great movie. But if you zoom out, it's just some dinosaurs loose on an island, a couple people die, really, yeah. to pursue this thing. Right. Um, and I think maybe that's the mindset of Hammond. Right. You know, there's a greater, bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like, do you have any ideas of what some of the negatives that could really, I could see just like messed up human DNA long-term. That's just, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, I mean, that's just the, the scary part about anything about uh, that specific field. So it relates to that. So if you look macro at it, so John Hammond is looking at it micro, like, oh, you know, like five people died on Ilsa Nublar. No, no problem. A needed sacrifice for Jurassic Park worldwide or Jurassic World, however, you know, he's taking the Disney concept and applying dinosaurs to it. So I think if you look at it macro lens, so Ian Malcolm 
touches upon it both in the book and the movie. So dinosaurs, quote, had their chance and then they were wiped out. They all went extinct. And, you know, by pure chance, we also, I recommended Graham Hancock to you, the archaeologist, who his major body of work consists of cosmic impacts that shape our own civilization through cataclysm, like human life was altered all around the world. So if you look at it macro, that same idea with the planet, an asteroid hit the planet, an asteroid this bigger than the size of Mount Everest, if you can imagine that, and it completely rocked our world, literally. And <laughs> got it. And dinosaurs went extinct. And, you know, that paved the way for mammalian life to come rise. And then here we are today. So if you were to reintroduce an extinct creature, an apex predator, these dinosaurs, that would radically change the entire environment for the world. That would change everything. It would be, have you seen Attack on Titan? No. So in Attack on Titan, there's like these huge creatures, humanoid figures, like skyscrapers, and they're like attacking humans. So they have to build walls around their cities. I would envision that humanity would have to do that with every major city to keep out you know, a T-Rex. Sure. I, I, I don't know. I think, I think this is why Jurassic World didn't work, mm. which is we have greater technology. We can handle this. Like we have nukes, we have whatever to handle it. Yeah. But, you know, dialed back in the 90s, I guess we still have some of those things, but technology overall feels not as advanced. And that's think that's what makes Jurassic World or Jurassic oh. Park feel a little bit scarier is because we have weak technology and we think we can do it. But, um, right. you know, I mean, a lot of the things in the book at the time when it was written, it was just like, things that are so easy now setting up cameras everywhere setting up you know a lot like doing like a dinosaur tracking mm-hmm. i mean a lot of that stuff is so easy like even reading it now it was just like this is funny to read state of the art back then. but it was state of the art and that's what made the island so interesting and mm-hmm. this is why Jurassic park was able to like become a thing because hammond was rich and was able to buy all the state of the art technology right which was you know a couple monitors <laughs> And speaking of that tech, so when watching the movie, the most famous scene with like the T-Rex getting out of uh, its paddock with like, and like there's 10,000 volt um, electric fence and I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's enough. (laughs) Yeah. It just depends on what creature, like in the movie, we don't really know what park they were coming from. Mm. Um, in the book we have the sense of they were in a different park and the t-rex was in that park as well oh. um actually i think they were initially in the t-rex park so after the the vehicle crashed the classic scene in the book or the yeah. movie mm-hmm. in the book they grant and the kids travel through the park but anyways they get they travel through all these different parks and you can tell when like the t-rex has pushed through certain fences yeah so I don't know. Like, yeah, the fence may be perfect for one creature, but not the T-Rex, you know? Right. But um, in the book, or at least, I mean, sorry, in the movie, it's cinematic. So 10,000 volts, you got to climb this thing, you know? (laughs) 
Yeah, like, I'm like, why, why bring back a T-Rex? I, well, you got to. That's a dangerous creature. Uh, that's why you got to. Do like the, the You're not impressed till it's like your life's on the line. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be scared. <laughs> well, it's, you get, you got to keep, I mean, this is what, this is why people jump out of planes. Eventually, roller coasters <laughs> aren't enough. <laughs> yeah. And that uh, theme is carried on into Jurassic World, more teeth. And then they create this. Yeah, this, that's the downside of just bigger and better. And it just comes bigger and stupid, not better. Bigger and stupid. Yeah, the Pepsi-saurus. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I hope Dominion is at least more grounded in reality and they don't show the dinosaurs as much. We'll see. Um, I think with Dominion... I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Laura Dern, uh, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill. You know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to having them back, all three of them. You yeah, know, the big it'll, three. It'll be fun. I mean, that's really the main goal of the movie is just to be fun. And honestly, I find the movies fun the first time, but then afterwards, not as much. And that's what that's why I label them not as good. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, because earlier in the beginning you said this was a cinematic masterpiece. It's perfect. Yeah. And I agree with you because I was watching Jurassic Park in preparation for this episode, and Steven Spielberg did a fantastic job of not showing the dinosaur until that very famous scene where they're in their Jeep and they see the Bronchosaurus. And I'm like, I cried. Because yeah. that reveal, the music swells, the acting, the special effects, it's absolutely perfect. Inspiring. Yes. That one scene, especially, is absolutely perfect. He nailed it. Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg nailed it. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Absolutely perfect. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. Right. All that just comes together. It's it's the visual effects, it's the acting, it's Steven Spielberg knowing when to show and not to show, um, and the music just uh, crescendoing it yes. right at that moment. So it's an excellent uh, intro to the start of Jurassic Park movie, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and then they go into learning more about it. Yes. And then they deconstruct it by... Yeah. Let's see what happens when the animals get loose. Right. Oh, no. Right. And that's exciting. Right. I I, I like... Nedry as yeah, the good character we got to come back to him because he's the one that lets the dinosaurs loose in the first place mm -hmm. and it's a great uh I mean he's there for greed as well yeah um and that's why things go the way they go um mm -hmm. but uh I think uh Nedry played by Wayne Knight you know mm -hmm. Newman 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 <laughs> uh was just a perfect cast uh, yes. for this role mm -hmm. and he just I, I don't know I just find him so fascinating and then the scene where we kind of get introduced to him we're on the beach of, of Costa Rica at some sort of lunch shop yeah and that's where he gets to meet with um Dobson we got Dobson here see no one cares see, no one cares <laughs> I think that's just ah I love that scene I don't know if it's just like the mood the lighting the feels of it being 90 <laughs> that like 90s yeah I mean we we were born in 91 so yes. we have an infatuation with the 90s mm -hmm. just like we have so many 
great memories from that era. And that's all alive in this scene. It's short. And I, I just, I love the jolliness of him and his innocence, but also he's just there overall because yeah. he wants money. He wants to see that the millions. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, that, that cream uh, on the pie, just plop. It's <laughs> like, ah, I love it. Every time I watch it, I love that scene. It's so yeah. short. And then the book, it's uh, it's a little bit longer. And I, I really enjoyed that part of the book just because mm-hmm. I've always wanted more from the movie. Yeah. And they go into a lot more detail as mm-hmm. far as like, this company that they're hiring Nedry uh, Nedry's working for this other company and they've done some shady stuff in the past. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot more room there mm-hmm. for future stories. Just, uh, I'm not sure what the lost world does the book, but yeah, I'm curious. Like that's cause I love the Jurassic park book so much that it made me curious to read the sequel. Cause I'm just curious to see where these storylines go, but Going back to what you said earlier, I think it would make a perfect eight-part, six-part yes. miniseries where they really go into the drama of like Nedry and he's like trying to steal, you know, these mm-hmm. uh, DNA for this competitor company, and like that would be pretty cool and exciting, right? To give listeners a perspective, we get to the island in the movie. Why, like three scenes in or something like that? Yeah. In the book, it's like many, many chapters. We spend time just hearing stories about this compy getting loose on Costa Rica. People mm-hmm. are unsure, like what it is. They don't believe what they're even looking at. No, right. it's not even a dinosaur. It's not a dinosaur. This is definitely a lizard. Mm-hmm. I know the lizard. It's definitely a lizard. Yeah. And eventually we do get to the island. And uh, it's not even Hammond himself that asks them to come to the island. It's over phone or something like that. Yeah. Like in the movie, Hammond's there in the trailer with them and it's very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And I like the way they did it. Mm-hmm. In the book, it was kind of, I think just like a phone call. It might've been Hammond, might've been, I forget who made the phone call in the first place, but it didn't feel as cinematic or whatnot. But it, I mean, they eventually get to the island. It's very shrouded in mystery. A lot of the first, if you were to chop it into three acts, the first act was like shrouded in mystery. We don't know what's happening on this island. Oh, Mm -hmm. we just hear rumors. Oh, we want to steal what they're working on so we can create our own thing. And then Dr. Grant's perspective, like, I'm getting this call to go to this place. Like, I almost wish I didn't know the book was about dinosaurs so that I can have that, like, what are they even talking about? All this mystery. Right. What is it? It's a lizard. I don't know. Is it a lizard? Yeah. Where are we going? What's going to be on this island? Because that's the perspective of every single character in the book and in the movie. Of like dinosaurs don't exist, mm-hmm. and why are we going to this island? Right. But every viewer of the movie or even the book knows it's called Jurassic Park. We and there's a skeleton of a T Rex. Yeah, we know it's about dinosaurs. Right. So, but so I think that also leads um, some credence towards Michael Crichton because like it's like yeah, the characters don't know what's going on, but the viewer does or the reader does. So it's like there's suspense because we know what's going to happen mm-hmm. or we know how dangerous these creatures are for like, you know, the little girl on the beach encountering the compy. Like we know that this creature has the ability to kill this woman, mm-hmm. this, this little girl. And so I think he plays with the medium that way too, by creating suspense. Yeah. Dread. Oh, we I, know it's, I, we know it's coming. I actually really enjoy the opening of the book which is beyond just the compy and the girl. I think the direct opening is this helicopter flying through the fog during a storm mm. and then landing 
in Costa Rica somewhere in this some village where this lady nurse or doctor assists this man that was brought on the helicopter and this man is all torn up but apparently it's because he was hurt in a construction accident yeah but deep down and even even as the descript descriptors come through the book the nurse herself is just like no mm-hmm. that he didn't get hurt by a backo right that's, that's like those are lion gashes yeah. on his chest mm-hmm. you know he was hurt by some sort of animal I'd love that kind of suspense. And they did a great job in the book. And I would love like a long form series to just dive into the world of the nineties more dive into technology, dive into this, like um, the story of all this suspense leading up to the Island, living on the Island for an episode, just enjoying this magnificent creation, like just a park in general beyond dinosaurs. is just interesting. Right. So I'd love a long form series to go into that. And there's just a lot of, interesting scenarios that happen after the dinosaurs get loose um a lot get explored in other movies like i said in lost world or jurassic park 3 but um it's all contained in the book of jurassic park Mm -hmm. so a long form series could do a really good job of just exploring that what what are your thoughts on the most bizarre thing from the book for me was the uh grant versus the velociraptor scene in the book about three quarters near the end He's fighting a velociraptor and like running through this. Um, the building. The building yeah. kind of near control. And he has to use poisoned eggs. Oh, yeah. As like, like decoys or bombs to get them to eat them. And that's how he essentially escapes and defeats three velociraptors. It was so bizarre. I'm like, this is a book. This feels like <laughs> Jurassic World here. <laughs> what are you? What are your thoughts on that? That was the most bizarre thing for me. Um, well, I mean, you have to suspend your disbelief from the beginning to yeah. think that we can even bring back an extinct species like that. Right. Um, but that scene in particular, when the velociraptors were hunting down our main characters, a lot of crazy stuff started happening. Like Ellie was being chased around and she had to jump from the roof into like a swimming pool and then she had to like pretend like i'm dead can the velociraptors swim oh they probably can like an alligator right to get away and and then like yeah muldoon blowing them up with like i think like a rocket launcher or something similar where he like explodes the book goes into so much detail as far as dna and how things are being made and Mm -hmm. how this island even exists Mm -hmm. But the way they defeat the dinosaurs is by rocket launcher. I thought that was like, he couldn't do a little more research on like, he so, just literally rocket launchers. <laughs> and okay, cool. So, That's how we bring them down. I would love if they outsmarted the dinosaur where they would have to use science to like defeat them somehow. I don't know how. Yeah. But like, Using brute force to like you know, blow them up and shoot them, a little anticlimactic. Yeah, it's, it's a bit too Rambo for me. It has its place, but I think for a book that's so science heavy, you would think like Doctor uh, Ian Malcolm, Doctor Grant, uh, Ellie, archaeologist. You would think like them being scientists, they would come up with a science solution. So, I don't know. yeah, that would the irony would be perfect there. Mm-hmm. The downside to all of these kind of stories, Jurassic Park and beyond, mm. is that they all get boiled down to just running away. 
Mm. And that's every monster movie. I think that's why I like Jurassic Park a little bit more is that it's not just about running away from dinosaurs. They had all these other themes that make it interesting. And The Lost World and JP3, it's just get on the island so we can run away. And they don't really explore the science or how we've got here or mm. all these other themes. There's no greed necessarily, or at least greed that's worth talking about. <laughs> right. And that is that is the one element other than Chris Pratt, because I am a simp for Chris Pratt. Other than Chris Pratt, I really enjoy uh, Dr. Wu's character. So he was just a scientist in the book and in the movie that... He was like the lead scientist guy for Jurassic Yeah, but Park. in the book, he has way more role. And that's what they did for Jurassic World. They're like, okay, that was not utilized. Let's use it for Jurassic World. Right. And they kind of infused Dr. Hammond into his character too for Jurassic World, where he was like, you know, like the guy wanted to make money. It's like, oh, I need to do this and that. So I thought that was the more interesting aspect of that reboot movie. That's every aspect of every movie. It's greed again, gets you to the Island Mm -hmm. and gets you to want to play around and steal dinosaurs or build dinosaurs. That's literally every movie. It gets old because Jurassic Park did it and they did it the best, Mm -hmm. but there seems to be no other reason for motivation to get people to want to be on the Island besides greed. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I'm just curious if you were to ask. So like when Jurassic Park came out, we were kind of the target demo with that movie. Kids or kids our age 30. No kids. Okay. Um, I think an adult would appreciate it too. It is rated R, but is it rated Jurassic R? Park? Mm-hmm. It's PG-13. It's PG-13? I thought it's R. No. I could have sworn it's R. Yeah, PG-13. Uh, Mandela effect. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I remember it being like, oh, it's an adult movie, but I can watch it. Oh, definitely as a kid. I think that's also why I was drawn to it. It wasn't a Disney film. Forbidden Fruit. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I I just wonder, like, the target demo for Jurassic World, how they feel about it. Like, do you, do you think they would have the same reaction sentiment that we had towards Jurassic Park when that came out back in the 90s? I'm just curious. Like, do you think a four-year-old watching Jurassic World, Yeah, you're wondering how they feel about it? I think they've already forgotten about it. Oh, why is that? I want to know how many kids saw Jurassic World and have not seen Jurassic Park. Probably a lot. Yeah. Because it's old. Yeah. It's not as accessible. Maybe they do think about it because then that would be the first dinosaur experience for them. I just don't think it's a very good experience. And the problem with they probably won't like Jurassic Park just because it's not as high amped up. Right. You know, it doesn't look as good. Like to us, <laughs> it looks good. Yeah. I love the green. The, the oh, It's shot on film. Absolutely. I think because it was shot on film, it just feels like more like real. Mm-hmm. It's baked. Yeah. Um, digital just feels glossy and hyper real or hyper realistic that because it's hyper realistic, it's not realistic. Let me ask you this quick question since you're a cinematographer, do you like, so you just talked about how much you love film and film stock. Do you like DNR like digitally removed film grain 
from like, say, if you were to remaster Jurassic Park to be 4K Blu-ray, they would probably run it past DNR, which would get rid of the noise. Uh-huh. Do well, you want the noise? Blu-ray. Oh, did it have noise or was yeah. it like clean? No, it was, it was It was. good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So do you like It was that? almost more accentuated. Really? It wasn't like annoying. I noticed it because I'm in that, in that film field. Yeah. But- I think because of that film grain, it's just that overlay. If you want to bake it down to just being an overlay, that mm. makes the effects that were in there feel real, feel like they're on the same level mm. as the human characters and the real sets. That's interesting. Like if I were to make an episode series for Netflix where it's much slower, it's much more yeah. drama, drama based and yeah. more about the greed and more about the science field and whatnot, I would shoot it on film. I've never shot anything on film, but I don't think shooting it on digital would serve it justice. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be, anything it needs to be in that format. It is possible. Yeah. I mean, they It'll did it for, they did for Star Wars. They were like, mm-hmm. well, film has something here and it means something to a bunch of people. Um, yeah. If you were to shoot it, I, I would be interested in shooting it on digital if it had like a grain overlay but i don't know if that's just faking it i don't know if yeah. i don't know if that's just it's not the same wrong I don't <laughs> to think even suggest same. that yeah but i guess i'm interested in that final product which is it just feeling as real as possible and that grain overlay that film delivers makes it feel real i think also shooting on film would have subconsciously the actors will give it their best the director oh, sure. will shoot it the best because it's, we can't just reshoot it. There's right. a finite amount of film that we have. We right. have to get it right. Definitely. Yeah. I love digital. I, I think it has a place. Yeah. But when you want to shoot a nineties version of dinosaurs at Jurassic Park, <laughs> I think it has to be on film. So. I I think it might happen. Do you think um, a long form series will emerge? at some point or just I guess the movies I mean Dominion's gonna end and that'll be it for the series but in five years ten years they're gonna have to reboot it again it's just too valuable of a series no other series does dinosaurs the way Jurassic Park series does so let me provide an example that I watched recently are you familiar with Les Miserables Mm -hmm. so very famous musical it was a Broadway and then they made into an okay musical movie that was like, I don't know, two, three hours long. They made it. So it's, it's from a book. They made it into a 10-part miniseries, and it's dramatized. No singing. And it was fantastic. Really? It was awesome. I was waiting for you to be like, and it sucked so bad. No, it was awesome. So. was this Is this new, recent? Uh, 2019. Okay, here. <laughs> so <clears throat> it was... It was great. Like, I i mean, I like musicals. I thought the musical was cool. But, like, seeing it being dramatized and emoted, it was so awesome. So to have that translated to Jurassic Park, totally think it's possible. And I totally think it's on the cards. A lot of people like limited series. A lot of people like, you know, an HBO Max Original series, 10-part miniseries. Oh, yeah. I don't want endless seasons. It needs to be just long-form 
I think it'll finite happen. in eight episodes. It'll happen. There's so much runway <laughs> and so much material that could easily be adapted into six or eight episodes. Right. The biggest problem we have to overcome is that Jurassic Park was, and in, in, in one another way, reinventing the blockbuster against Spielberg with these blockbusters. Right. But it, and it reinvented what blockbusters can be, um, and that's how it's always been. So long form series, it wouldn't be a blockbuster type. It would be like we're we're diving into these characters because these characters are interesting. We're diving into the science because we need to talk about this science. It's interesting. There's a lot of imagination to be had here. Mm-hmm. And then just more dinosaurs, you know. It's still Ooh. relevant too. Yeah. The genetic engineering stuff. Like it's it's still a topic. It's still a hot topic. Yeah. So I don't know of any other stories that are I'm sure they're out there, but I don't know. Any that are really diving into DNA science as much, or at least as successful as Jurassic Park did. Jurassic. I Park, mean, what else would you bring back? Well, you you have to go with like sci-fi route. I mean, Jurassic Park is already sci-fi, um, right. but like Blade Runner, I yeah. do like that cyberpunk stuff where they're like sure. genetically modified humans. I guess there's only two interests in the world of DNA science, which is prolonging human life mm-hmm. or dinosaurs. Yeah. Essentially, the idea of bringing back something extinct. That is true. Yeah. I think, and I'm really glad you mentioned uh, Hancock because it's, I, for the listeners out there, Armand suggests him for the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, and there's like four or five episodes of him. So now like 15 hours of listening. <laughs> yeah, it's like three 10 hours. to 15. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So, but he really goes into the idea of like, what was the world like before mm. what we know the world as? Mm. And a lot of it is talk on this meteorite crashing into the ice, right. uh, the ice um, caps or whatever, mm-hmm. and then causing this major flooding that has happened and wiping out history as we know it. Right. And the idea that, there could have been a high tech culture out there like ours. Mm-hmm. But just the uh, one thing that really came to my mind was um, the uh, the idea that there could be a high tech culture and that if there were a major catastrophe to happen, that wouldn't survive because the people in that culture are not geared to survive. So the right. gather hunters would be the only survivors. Right. So, yes. but it, it's just all this mystery of our past that I think makes Jurassic Park very interesting beyond dinosaurs is just for digging up human history in a, a portion of our past and living it in the now time. Right. So I would be interested in a long form series just to dive more into that. Just digging up history. That would be, that would be really cool. I think that's why I find Indiana Jones interesting too. Spielberg, man, in that era, he was just on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he definitely captured the imaginations of a lot of people. So before we close, I just want to ask you a simple question. Have you been to the field museum in Chicago? Not recently. I think I've seen Sue. Okay. As a kid. Okay. But I haven't been since I was a kid. So 15, 20 years. So they have a whole new exhibit for Sue. And for those that don't know, Sue is the most intact dinosaur skeleton that we have in the world. And it happens to be Triosaurus Rex. Yeah. And it's on display on the field museum and they have a whole new exhibit. It's really fucking cool. So they have the skeleton and like, they have this whole like audio 
show where it's like describing a life, a daily life of Sue, like what she would eat and where she lived. And it's really cool. It's really, really cool. You should check it out. I'll have to. It's pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to, uh, even listening to Hancock a little bit, it's hard to come across fully intact. Right. Um, dinosaur bones. Yeah. Fossils. They're mostly just like scattered and Mm -hmm. you have to reassemble. But uh, what we see in Jurassic Park is this intact full Velociraptor. That sort of was misleading. As a kid, I just assumed that's how you find them. But right. that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's very extremely rare. Right. I, I took a few anthropology and archaeology courses in college, and they said, like, yeah, like the stuff you see in Jurassic Park or even Indiana Jones, it's not like that. You'll yep. be lucky if you find anything intact. You'll be lucky to even find a thing as big as your hand. Like it's definitely, yeah, we're very lucky that we even find anything. Yeah. Underneath the soil. Cause it deteriorates and you know, it's gone. Lost to time. Yeah. Well, I'll have to check out Sue them cause that's a rare breed. All right. Yeah. So to close the show, what we'd like to do on syndicate is the one reason why, what is the one reason you would give somebody to watch Jurassic park? The one reason you should watch Jurassic Park is for the um, the emergence of the T-Rex scene mm. and just the thumping, the music, yeah. the atmosphere. That is a scene I've never seen before in any other movie. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. And uh, I think Dress Park does that. A plus plus. Yeah, I remember as a kid, my friends would like we would put a glass, a cup of water, and we would like bang on the table to get like the ripple effect on the water. Like Jurassic Park. It's like Jurassic Park. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. It's there's just nothing like it. I was showing I was just sitting with a bunch of friends and just experiencing it kind of like through their eyes. It's just interesting mm-hmm. to kind of see it again and just like wow. This is this is a movie. This is cinema history right in front of our eyes. Just the culmination of uh, uh, all fields, music, visuals, 
Um, just it really makes you feel scared in that moment. <laughs> like I don't know, it's hard to describe, but it's it's beautiful. I want it's wonderful. I 100% agree. Yeah. And then my reason why would be is a good introduction to the world of archaeology and the world of dinosaurs because like in our day-to-day life we can be you know can be boring but to look back into history and to see that our world was vastly different and then the creatures that roamed the earth were great titanic creatures it's quite a spectacle to see and this movie just gives you a little peek into that world definitely Jurassic Park does a lot for someone watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It'll get you interested in archaeology. It'll get you interested in prehistory. It'll get you interested in music. It'll get you interested in storytelling. It's a proper thrill movie. The characters are well fleshed out. Grant in the book, we didn't even talk about this. He loves kids in the book. That shocked me because in the movie, they make it a point to say he doesn't like kids. Yeah. And that first scene with that chubby kid with the velociraptor <laughs> toe. Yeah. Um, but then over time in the movie, he gets stuck with kids mm-hmm. and uh, learns to really enjoy them. And I think even that as a simple plot for a movie is enough. Yeah, everyone has a nice arc. You can't say the same with a lot of movies nowadays. No, so. they pack a lot into what, two hours, an hour, what, whatnot. So mm-hmm. it's amazing because a lot of movies feel like there's just boiling it down too much mm. or there's just not enough here. So. Yeah. It's a smart movie. Yeah. It's crafted. It is smart. Very well. It is smart for being just a a dumb thriller, you know, some people <laughs> might say. Right. A blockbuster. A blockbuster, yeah. you know? I think it's a little bit more than that. Well, that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Jurassic Park by Steven Spielberg. Please check it out where it is available. And now, I would like to take a moment to thank my guest, Rutch, for coming on to the show. Armand, thanks for having me on. This was so much fun. Oh, this was... An awesome conversation. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, we can easily talk two more hours on this. So it was tough. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe come back for whenever Dominion will come out. We'll either praise it or rip it apart. Who knows? I have a feeling it's the latter. <laughs> Thanks again, Armand. You're welcome. But if you'd like to keep the Jurassic Park conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have questions or film recommendations? Please send your emails to info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye. <laughs>